0: Welcome to Understanding the Law. Your host for the program is Peter Lamont. Mr. Lamont is a business and personal law attorney and the principal of the law offices of Peter J. Lamont. The firm has offices in New Jersey, New York, Colorado, Puerto Rico and affiliated offices throughout the country. Understanding the Law is a weekly radio broadcast discussing a variety of legal topics that affect our listeners please note that this broadcast does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners. As always, we welcome calls from our listeners. If you wish to discuss any of today's topics, please call our switchboard at 347-855-8831. And now, your host, Peter Lamont.
1: Welcome to another edition of Understanding the Law. Today is Thursday, March 13th and we're very happy to have with us a special guest, Brian Glynn. Uh, Brian is a professional photographer, and he is the owner-slash-editor of CigarObsession.com. Uh, we're going to talk to Brian about a variety of topics today. His business is based out of Florida, uh, but through social media, his, his reach has extended you know, well beyond the United States. He's got a massive amount of followers on both uh, his uh, professional photography site and the Cigar Obsession site. So we're going to get into a little bit um, with Brian about his background, how he developed, how he's using social media, and how it can be applied really to any business model. So, Brian, uh, thank you for being on the show today.
2: Hi, Peter. Thank you very much for having me. All
1: right. Before we get going, I just want to uh, thank one of our sponsors. Today's show is sponsored by NY Carpentry. They are professional installers of high-end European cabinetry. And uh, they have offices throughout New York. And they can be reached at 718-684-1705. You can also find them on Facebook. And uh, we appreciate them sponsoring today's show. So now that that's out of the way, let's get into uh, our discussion with Brian. I don't know if there are many of you out there who are fans of cigars. I happen to be. Um, and that's how I originally stumbled upon Brian, because he has an outstanding review site uh, called CigarObsession.com, and he has a tremendous number of videos. And so this is where I first was introduced to him. Um, the quality of his work on this review site, it's, it's outstanding, and it rivals um, most of the small businesses that we've seen throughout the country who are trying to produce something similar video and blog posts and social media related uh, topics you know on, on, a, on a professional basis for the purposes of deriving revenue now Brian has this review site that it, it's just top notch so we're going to talk about that but before we get into the specifics I want to talk a little bit to Brian about your background how you started obviously you're a professional photographer but where did this all come from how you know what's your training and your business background how did you, you get into the field of photography
2: Well, I got into the field, uh, I wouldn't say by choice. I was laid off from an IT job, and uh, I decided to, instead of go back into the field, which I was really burned out from, I had been doing IT for over 15 years, and that industry was just on such a decline. This was the late 2000s. So I decided to take a chance. I cashed in one of my 401Ks. And started the business. I'd always been interested in photography. I have no formal training. And I'll tell you, if you're an aspiring photographer out there, the number one piece of advice I can give you, this is what I tell everybody that says, what should I do in school to be a photographer if you get a general business degree? Because there are so many things that I did not know and I've learned through the School of Hard Knocks over the past seven years. It is 95% straight business, 5% photography. So... I started out by just shooting anything and everything because I didn't know what I was really good at, what I really loved. And over the years, I've cut out certain things. And now I'm strictly a wedding and commercial photographer, the two things I have a passion for and do extremely well. And I've been doing just those two for the past couple of years. So it's been a slow progression. I didn't have a master plan. And yes, I did waste tens of thousands of dollars figuring things out along the way. And it's
1: just been a ride since then. Well, you know, it's it's um, ties into something we talked about two weeks ago. We had a guest on the show who had written a book for uh, the Shark Tank show, and he had talked about this idea of if you have a passion for something or you you are looking to start your own business, it all starts with a leap of faith. And that seems like what you're saying. You know, you you cashed in your 401k and you took a chance and Obviously, everyone knows that most new businesses fail within the first one to two years. Yours has not. How do you think that, that you've managed to build your business because every time I look at you on your online presence, you know you seem to get stronger and stronger. so how, how do you, what do you attribute to that?
2: The number one thing I can say to that is find your niche, find something that you're very unique about and a way to stand out from the crowd. Back when I started, it wasn't nearly as bad as it is right now. It seems like everybody, their mother and sister, is a photographer these days because it's so easy to pick up a $500 camera package from Best Buy and snap some photos and, you know, fly under the radar, under the table, no taxes, and shoot a wedding for $400 and call yourself a photographer. And believe me, there are hundreds in the Tampa area and probably every other large city that do that. But you have to find a way to have a specific style but most importantly network. It's all about who you know as far as getting in with wedding planners and venues and other top quality vendors in your area. Um, It's just being unique and being unique is something that I really tie over in everything I do especially Cigar Obsession that we can talk about later but that's That's really it. Um, You don't want to be just a follower. You don't want to be another me too. You're not going to make it. So what I did was figure out exactly what kind of look I was going for with my photography. I offer services that, frankly, nobody else in the area was doing. and Very few do today. For example, I produced a very, very streamlined workflow. Typically, For example, when you shoot a wedding, the average turnaround time is six to nine months to get your photos back. I do it in one to two weeks, which is absolutely unheard of. And I can do that because of the very specific workflow that I do. And I have since offered that as a course to other photographers in the area. So I've trained some on how to do it. And I've slowly been changing the industry around here as far as that goes. So it's all about... Finding those things that set yourself apart.
1: And, uh, the other interesting thing to touch on is the fact that, uh, you know, you, as you know from from an IT background, technology has changed the way that we do business, even in the professional services industries. Uh, you know, people like yourself and myself, you know, doctors, lawyers, accountants, photographers. It's it's really a professional services business, and what you're you're giving to people. Obviously in your case you're giving them a tangible product, but you're also giving them ideas and experience and a vision. You know, I, I would imagine that a lot of people come to you and they don't say, I want you to pose me like this or I want you to do this. I mean, this is all comes from your own creative mind. And, you know, the use of of technology and embracing technology, I think, A can allow people in the professional services industry to be different, and Uh, I honestly think it's necessary in, in this day and age to be technically proficient to an extent. Do you agree?
2: I certainly agree with that. The only thing I would add is in the last, I would say, nine months, the bane of photographer's existence has been Pinterest because it's been the exact opposite of that. The latest trend is all these new brides are starting their pin boards with all these photos that they want to recreate, and that is just like murder to a photographer because
0: when we get hired,
2: it's for our individuality. And now we get brides that say, I want to make this photo and this photo and this photo and this photo. And you're like, I'm not a cookie cutter. I'm not going to just copy other people's work. So in that regard, technology is kind of working against us.
1: Right, right. Well, let's let's get into a little bit of, uh, of the technology discussion. I want to talk later on about uh, the logistics of your business and getting paid as a professional service provider and that sort of thing. But before we get into that, let's start with uh, your use of social media. So I assume that you had some knowledge being that you were in the IT field that maybe the average person wouldn't have. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, that's certainly fair.
1: So how did you learn about social media and how to make it work for you. And I say that because a lot of the questions that we received this week from our, um, our viewers and subscribers, people on our, our website, they all seem to focus around the use of social media, the effective use of it. Most of the people that wrote in were either small to mid-sized businesses or sole proprietors. And their questions focused around the fact that, you know, they have a Facebook page they want to have a YouTube channel. They don't have it yet. They're using Twitter, and they're posting stories, and they're posting coupons, and they're doing things, but they're not getting that feedback or following, and you know, they seem to understand that social media is, is interaction. It's not just a billboard. It's really a dialogue that you're, you're trying to create. And, you know, these, these questions that are out there are very good and very interesting. And I think that the vast majority of people feel the same way. I'm doing exactly what he's doing. How come I'm not building that following or how come I'm not successful? So what do you say to that?
2: That's exactly right. And I get those kinds of questions all the time, not just on uh, the photography side, but the cigar side. I'm friends with most of the other, what I'll call bloggers in the industry And we all talk about what's working for us and what's not. The short answer is, number one, social media is changing
0: dramatically
2: every single year, especially Facebook. Facebook is, without a doubt, the leader, heads and shoulders above anything else as far as number of people on it, uh, number of people in our uh, viable age group with money. Um, There are other things like Reddit, which are very popular with young people, but frankly, uh, they don't really have much money, so I don't really care about them. Um, You've got Twitter, which is extremely popular for certain types of social media, but it's very much a here and now type thing where Facebook is a lot more permanent. Google Plus is frankly absolutely useless. Google is not really hiding the fact that uh, they're not really building a social media platform. They're building a central logging system ad tracking network. So, uh, nobody should be concentrating on Google Plus as far as their business goes. Uh, Facebook, this is the one thing that really drives people crazy because over the past two years, they have completely changed how it works as far as business goes. It used to be you had your personal profile, and they really didn't care much about what you did with it. If you wanted to promo your business all day long on it, that's fine. And then they had the pages, and they weren't really utilized that much, but Since Facebook has been all about revenue, they have tried to monetize everything possible. They tried direct ads. They failed miserably. They're pulling out of that. They just can't compete with Google Adsense. So now they're trying to make money off of the people that are actually producing business pages. And the problem is they've completely gimped how it works. Now you create a Facebook page, and they have the system where it used to be, if you made a post on your page, Anyone that was subscribed or liked your page would see it. That's pretty much how you would assume it would work. Now, they have a system in place where only a very small percentage, and it's random, of how many people like your page will see a post. It's something like 15%. So that's virtually useless. If you want to see more, if you want more of your subscribers to see that post, you have to pay for it. And it can be $20 to $50 per post. That's how they're trying to make money off of it. The problem is that still doesn't guarantee that anybody's going to see that post because they, they slide it into a separate section on the news feed, and that is completely changing every four to six months. So that's why people are not getting any results off Facebook pages. Pretty much they have killed a way to monetize your business through Facebook. So it all comes back down to the personal connections, who you know. Um, Let me interrupt you for one second,
1: Brian. I just want to touch on something. I get a lot of comments from small businesses who are involved in social media, and they'll buy those ads from Facebook. And what my understanding of it is is that your ad, your paid ad, will appear sometimes on somebody else's feed within your target audience. And what a lot of these people are coming back and saying are things like, you know, I I monetize this, this post. And I'm getting this hate mail from people saying, you know, why the hell are you on my page? Get off of here, you scumbag. And these people don't understand what's going on here. Are you familiar with that? Have you seen that?
2: I am familiar with that. And that comes down to two different things.
1: Uh, first
2: of all, there's a difference between running a Facebook ad and promoting a post or sponsoring a post. And number one, neither one of them work. If you run a Facebook ad it's been proven that it's a complete scam. And what they do is they show your ad to basically click farms overseas. So something like 95% of the clicks and the views you get are from Indonesia. They're just absolutely worthless. They're they're just stealing your money. There's actually a recent article in the news, I think uh, about two weeks ago, where a guy did a, a very extensive data study on it, and it was just ridiculous. I knew it a year ago because I did my own testing. But you came out with excellent graphs and charts, and everybody can look that up. But do not, do not spend money on Facebook ads or promoting posts. It is money down the drain. Now, as far as promoting your posts and getting hate mail like that, that's because it's not exactly a targeted audience. By default, what it will do is show that post to friends of friends, which can be people with absolutely zero interest in whatever your business is. So, of course, they're going to see this, and it just looks like a random spam ad. But it also comes back down to exactly what's being advertised. Way too many people use social media, no matter what the platform is, as just a sounding board, like a big, boring billboard a sales pitch. That is not what social media is about. It is all about genuine interaction. If you do not have the time or inclination to be on a social media platform and truly interact with the people on there, don't bother. That goes for Twitter, Facebook, whatever. You cannot just put up ads and expect things to happen. You personally have to be interacting with people and put up real posts. It's just people see right through it, especially the younger generations, especially the millennials.
1: Well, how would you – what advice would you give to somebody who – let's say it's a small sole proprietor or you know, a small business. It could be anything from a bakery to photography, whatever it might be, where you, know, you, you have this page now, you have your website, you've built a Facebook page, and you want to go and engage the audience. And you know, let's say you know 100 people you know, or 50 people. So you, you go out and you talk to your friends and your family and you've got 50 people who are now following you on Facebook. First of all, What sort of posts would you encourage people to put up? What type of things would you encourage them to write about? And second, how is it that the people develop that larger following? Because now they've got 50 of their friends, and I think everybody knows that the idea with social media is that it spreads like a web or a virus where somebody who sees your post has somebody else who sees your post and on and on and on. But With respect to those two questions, what would you encourage people to put up on there and how would you encourage them or what advice could you give about growing your following?
2: Well, there are two types of general posts that you can make. One is simply to put out information, just give back to your existing user base. The other type is to grow your audience. Number one, photos. Absolutely, you have to post photos. If you're just posting text, forget it. Number one, Facebook isn't going to show many of those strictly text posts. Uh, Number two, people don't really care about them. They don't read them. If you post a photo, say you're okay in a bakery, a real good thing to help gather your new followers is to get that photo shared. That means posting something really cool or unique or maybe it's a how-to or maybe it's an article that you wrote on your website Something that's interesting that is going to make make people say, "Oh wow, I got to share this with my friends." That's what does it. You can't just put something out there and expect the world to come to you. You have to make it interesting enough for somebody else to show somebody else. So, again, it goes back to being unique in whatever you're doing. Say you're a plumber, put up some how-to articles about how to unclog a sink or how to install a dish disposal or something like that, and that will get people to share the information, and the, the followers and the likes to your page will come naturally. You can never force it. But if people understand that, hey, this guy puts out this kind of information that is useful, I'm going to follow him.
1: That's the key. So that goes back to the old adage that content is king, and there's tons of books out there about that. But that's, that's your, your belief that content really is what drives the following. Is that right? That
2: has always been the case and never more so than now, especially with Google, because Google has extremely simplified things as far as SEO. Right now, the only thing it looks at is content. Keywords, it doesn't care. It doesn't even look at them anymore. Metadata, really doesn't care. Unless you want to get images indexed, it doesn't matter what metadata you're putting in. So it's all about the, the textual content on your site, that is important. And of course, that just goes back to, is it interesting and is it something people want to actually read?
1: Now, I'm going to bring up a point that somebody had made uh, this week in preparation for the show. And obviously, we were asking people for their questions and comments. And an overwhelming majority of people had this to say about the idea of putting out free information. They can't understand why anyone in the professional services industry would give away information for free and most of the comments seem to reflect fear of somebody stealing your ideas copying what you're doing and and you know for example we do a lot of videos um, and we give away free information as attorneys and we're giving away free information because in my mind we're trying to demystify the law because you know we're we're lawyers we're not brain surgeons and it, it might seem complex to the average person but I think having an educated client is a good thing. So we give away that information. You give away a ton of information about yourself, about your business. So how do you respond to the people that say, if you post all this how-to and free advice and free guidance, you're devaluing your business and people aren't going to want to come to you because they already know the answers?
2: Well, I'd say that have to look at it like this. If it's information that is really, truly something a secret, something that's unique, something that if you don't put it out, nobody's going to know, that's certainly a good idea to maybe protect that. But really, that's few and far between as far as what's out there. If you're talking about stuff that's like how to do something or, uh, for example, I've got a, a blog post with a common DMC notice take uh, take down notice form, you know, and I have information on how to use it and everything. That's that's common knowledge. I mean, just because I'm the first one that's ever put it together in an easy to read format doesn't mean it's some super secret secret. Right. It's something that anybody could have found out. Um, I've done lots of things like that, but it's just if it's not something that's really truly secret, what's the point in not doing your best to be the first person out there that did it really well and other people are going to look to.
1: Right. Right. Now I, I personally, you know, our philosophy here is, is the same because well, you can't, I mean, we could give away information about how you do something in a legal proceeding, but ultimately you, you're paying for our expertise and the same with you. You might give away some information on maybe how to frame a shot or, um, depth of field or any of these these photography topics, but ultimately, people can try to reproduce your vision or your idea, your creativity, but if they want what you have, they have to come to you. So why hide that information? Exactly. It's
2: like I offer a course on Lightroom. I I show people exactly what my workflow is, how I get them from taking a month to do an edit down to a couple days. It's not like I'm fostering competition. I'm not hurting myself just because I've made 10 other people a lot faster. It's information that they could have found out, and I got paid to, to show them. I mean,
1: why not? And by doing that, now you have put out quality content that people are going to share, spread around, and follow, and ultimately, you'll derive more followers and, and presumably more business from it, right?
2: Exactly. It just snowballs. So there's no point in hiding yourself and expecting everyone to all of a sudden know you're the expert because you haven't
1: put anything out to show it. Right. Now let me ask you about traditional advertising. Um, I, I go down to Florida a lot. We, you know, I've got, have got kids, so we end up going down to to Disney in the Orlando area. And while I'm down there, there's one particular law firm that is everywhere. They're on. Television. They're on top of cabs. They're on billboards. Everywhere you look, there's this particular law firm that's advertising. And um, when M&M? you do some, what's that? Yeah, yeah. M. M&M? Yep, yeah. yeah. And you know, you look into their um, their actual feedback on on social media, and people don't have good things to say, but mm-hmm. they also have a very prevalent social media presence. They've got the same things that that you and I are talking about. Uh, videos and, and tutorials and posts so my question to you is, with traditional advertising, we're talking about yellow pages, which is in my mind is completely obsolete, um, oh, yeah. newspaper, radio, television. what sort of traditional advertising do you engage in, and what percentage of work do you think you get from traditional if you do it versus the online? advertising and then look at a, a law firm or a business like M&M and and are they real why are they doing what they're doing why are they everywhere is that necessary well
2: I think that answer
1: what do you think completely,
2: about that that's going to vary completely by the type of business uh, I can tell you my experience as a photographer with it I can tell you my experience in the cigar industry with it but that's going to be different than a law firm or a plumber or a bakery or anything else. Uh, This goes back to how I wasted tens of thousands of dollars trying everything because, number one, when you're starting out in business, nobody shares the secrets. Everybody has to pay their dues and I had to try magazines and I tried the Yellow Pages and I tried direct mailings and postcards and pay sites for referrals and, I mean, everything. And, frankly, even back... In 2007, traditional advertising was on a huge decline. Now, it's almost existent as far as photography goes. Print ads, absolutely dead in the water. Most magazines are out of print, period. Those that aren't, I mean, nobody reads them. They give the copies away. They they give them away at bridal shows. They give them away to vendors. Brides just don't care about them. Um, Everything is online as far as that goes. But with my particular industry... Advertising in general is useless. It's it's almost all referral, word of mouth, getting on, uh, getting published on blogs, uh, which is for the most part free. It's all about your content and what you're looking for. But uh, as far as the cigar industry goes, there are only a few quality magazines left, and I can tell you, as far as the manufacturer standpoint, that the returns have been diminishing greatly in the past couple of years, especially because so many people are now turning online for all of their cigar needs. So you, it's getting really tough to get companies to spend $20,000 for a single back cover advertisement of a uh, popular cigar magazine. And I don't know, it's just it's completely shifting. I don't see traditional, as far as printed media, surviving much at all in the next couple of years.
1: I agree with you, and uh, a lot of people they'll come to me and, and ask, you know, because we do a lot of business consulting separate from just the pure legal work, and so they'll come in and they'll say, you know, what do you think about this marketing idea? Where should I put my money? You know, you may agree or disagree, but I mean, we're telling people to put it into building quality content online, whether it's a website or. Um, a a fairly good and readable blog, versus wasting time advertising in local papers or regional papers. Um, I don't see any value in that anymore because I think that everyone is looking for their needs online. What do you think?
2: I absolutely agree, and even the places online have been shifted. Back when I started, Craigslist, believe it or not, was an excellent source of clients because the caliber of people that were using it as far as looking for services were much higher. Now, these days, Craigslist is the absolute bottom of the barrel. You're lucky if you get trailer trash reading it. You can you can barely solicit a response if you're giving stuff away. So yeah. it really depends on where online also. And that, again,
1: is going to vary depending on your business. Right. Now, my, my other question about, you know, companies that – bombard you with all sorts of advertising my philosophy on this is they have obviously the budget and they're just doing all they can to cover all their bases but i don't obviously know what um like that firm in florida what they're deriving from um all the the traditional advertisements but i don't view that as a necessity i view that as hey we've got a lot of extra money to spend so let's put our name up on top of a, of a cab. I don't know that they're deriving a lot of business from that. You know, what would you tell somebody who says, I've got this money, what should I do with it? Would you recommend that they do anything traditional?
2: Well, I think in the case of that law firm, they're probably doing a mix of online and traditional because they have such a diverse mix of potential clients. For example, the elderly down here, they're not online. They're not right. seeing anything except the billboards when they drive to church. They're, they might notice the cab, and they probably get picked up in a cab sometimes when they see it. So they're going after a huge, wide audience. But if your business is more focused, that may not be the correct avenue for you. Then again, if you're going after the target audience that, say, for example, is the elderly, that would probably be a good
1: choice. Right, so that goes back to your point that it really depends on your your industry, but then even reducing that down to more specifics, it depends on your target audience so, absolutely i mean that that's key like yourself i mean you you found your special areas, you found um, the commercial field and the wedding photography, so what good would it be for you to advertise in arenas outside of those those two? specialty areas because you know you'd just be throwing your money away
2: exactly and I did
1: now um, as far as something you you, you mentioned earlier the um, the free information that you provided on how you uh, prevent somebody from stealing your work um, you and I we talked last week and we talked briefly about Um, photography and how people steal content, I think it goes beyond photography. I think it really is anything that you post online has the potential uh, to be stolen. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier today was um, the notice and the letter that you put out when somebody steals your content. So let's talk first about photography and then expand it into general business. You told me that you have had a tremendous amount of your work Stolen both, both in cigar photography and traditional. So Absolutely. What do you do about that?
2: Well, that depends on exactly what's stolen, what's been happening with it, and where. I have had absolutely everything happen. As far as uh, this, it crosses ties because I have so much of my photography that's tied into Cigar Obsession because I do professional photos on the site. Uh, I mean, if you Google any cigar, you're looking at my photos. That's just the way it is. Um, I have people that have stolen the photos and used them on their own personal website, which, of course, is prohibited. And that's that's the main focus of the article I put up on, because that is what happens the majority of the time. Um, then you have the types that are a competing business. And uh, this also happens in a lot of other industries. Like, uh, for example, one of my good friends here owns... Uh, A Premier Entertainment, a large DJ firm out of Lakeland, Florida, and they have pretty much the nation's top school dance firm. Uh, They do DJs and school proms and all that kind of stuff, and they have their stuff, their taglines, their logo, their photos, everything stolen on a regular basis just as much as I do with my stuff. And with photos, it's fairly easy to take care of. If somebody's stealing your photos on Facebook or Twitter, or any other social media platform, they have very easy ways to click a button, report it, file an online claim, and they take it down very quickly. That's just cake. If it's on a website, that's what my article addresses, how to file the very simple legal form to the host, how to figure out what the host is, and within 48 hours, either the content is removed or their entire website
1: is removed. Either way, I'm happy with that. Um, Where can happens, people find uh, that article that you're uh, you're referencing? Where can people find that?
2: Uh, you can just either Google for what to do when your stuff is stolen, or you can go to dgpictures.com and just use the search form for stolen, and it, it comes right up. It's a blog post it did a couple of years ago.
1: Okay. All right. And, so sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um,
2: so if your photo is stolen just on a website, let's say, is it commercial or not? Uh, the main problem with uh, that is if the photo is unregistered, as, as a copyright holder, you have a certain amount of protection just by taking the photo. But if it's not actually registered, you are very limited, as I'm sure you're aware of, what you can sue for as far as
1: damages. Yeah, so, really, I mean, the reality of that is that when you create something, whether it's a, f- a photo or something that you've written, you are the copyright holder. And what you get with that is you get the ability to file for injunctive relief. So you can make an application to the court and you can say, look, I created this, this is mine, and this person is using it either for personal use or professional uh, gain, and it's mine, I want it taken down. And you have the ability to get injunctive relief, meaning that the court will order them to stop doing what they're doing But unless you register it with the Copyright Office, you cannot sue for damages. And in the case of someone like yourself, you're producing professional images, and that's a revenue producer. Like your cigar photos, first of all, the quality, if if anybody's ever seen Brian's website, the quality of the photos are outstanding. And I I could see um, cigar companies online or or traditional, you know, um, box stores, strip mall stores, whatever it might be, wanting these pictures. And that you have to be losing money when people steal photos like that in the commercial realm.
2: To a certain extent. I mean, I do have a lot of cigar clients that I do shoots for. Um, but, yes, I've had a lot of uh, major name. I'm not going to name any, but if you followed my site, you know who I'm talking about. There's one of the major cigar chains in the world. Stole my videos, downloaded them, and re-uploaded them with their own logo on it. I mean, it's like, how can you think you're going to get away with that? Obviously, I got YouTube to take it right down, but it's just, that's the scruples of some people. The largest cigar radio show stole one of my pictures. I mean, it's just, there are no limits. So, yeah, I mean, it's possible that I'm losing some money, but the reality is, it's just such a pain in the butt to register everything, and... The odds of, say, a magazine doing it and actually causing enough damage that it's worth it, it's so slim. It's never happened yet, knock on wood. But uh, at this point, I'm happy enough with not registering and just making sure that I get everything taken down. And the rest of the world knows who did it. Just, mm-hmm. I, have, I, I have shame posts all over my website. When I get, it happens, I'd say, about 30 times a year, whether it's another website or a company. And the major ones, I put up shame posts on my, on my cigar obsession site. So everybody can know, Hey, these guys did this. Right. And the the minor ones, I'll just complain in a private Facebook group about it, but it's very common. It's not going to stop. Uh, it's just the way it is.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that what, what you're doing is the appropriate action. A lot of times people will say, Hey, do I need to hire a lawyer for this? And honestly, the answer is no, unless it's something that is extremely proprietary, something that uh, could be a, a very um, revenue, high-revenue-producing image or, or writing. Um, obviously, that's something different, but with what you're doing, what the average person is doing with their, their posts and their, their photography, the amount of time and money that you'd have to put into registering exactly. everything, hiring a lawyer, there's no need for that. If you're diligent, and you are, are patrolling your own images, I think that what you're doing, the way you're handling it, is how you do it to, to be cost-effective but yet still be effective.
2: Exactly. It has to be financially viable, and 99.99% of the time it's not. So just count your blessings that the content is gone and move on. You know. Uh, yeah. The only exception to that I have is... Uh, and I I do have this in process right now of trademarking, because last year someone went way over the line and stole my name and was representing himself as Cigar Obsession to cigar companies in order to solicit free cigars, acting as my employee. Okay. So, (laughs) you know, that that was sticky because... I had a real hard time getting anybody to do anything about it because CigarObsession.com was not trademarked. That didn't fall under copyright laws. Right. So uh, you're, that's one thing where I wish the government would really catch up on is, you know, it's, it's simple enough to prove that my site has been existing for six years and if somebody throws up, you know, some other infringing site, it, it should be a simple case just like copyright but it's not you have to be fully registered and trademarked and pay the big bucks to get that done in order to get companies to squat.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely true and you know really the difference between trademarking and copyright. Copyright you you own that copyright as I said earlier as soon as you create that that work. Trademark is something different. You have to make sure that you're protecting your name, your identity, your brand, your your brand image. And uh, you're absolutely right about the government not catching up in the trademark realm because there are so many different types of trademarks. There are trademarks dealing with color and not with color. And when can you change your trademark without having to re-register? It's a lot of nonsense. It's very archaic, if you ask me. And, um, you know, I see it a lot. We get a lot of calls from bands, rock bands. Who have this happen to them all the time? There'll be a rock band on the West Coast and somebody on the East Coast is stealing their name, and then it's like this big fight, this long drawn out litigation to prove who originated the idea and that sort of thing. So, right. I do think trademarking is important, even though the system hasn't caught up, um, because you know you've got you've got your logo, you've got your brand identity with Cigar Obsession, and that's something that you need to protect because. Really, I think the idea of cigar obsession in in words is obviously something that anybody can come up with, but you've branded it. You've put it together. You've made a brand identity out of it. So, and you know,
2: um, unfortunately, it's just not cheap to do that these days.
1: <laughs> no. Well, it, that's the problem, and that's, I think that's the problem with a lot of law firms and lawyers. I think that uh, you, know, you end up paying a lot of money. A lot of people try to do things themselves. There's some of these god-awful legal self-help websites out there, um, you know, and and really what they're doing is giving you bare bones and taking people's money. Um, It's really terrible to see people try to trademark things themselves that don't have any understanding and then when there is a problem, they find out that they're not really protected. But uh, I think you have to search and find it all over again. Yeah, you've got to find the right person to work with you and I think that, you know, something like uh, like today's program where you're giving this information to people, I think it's very helpful that they understand how trademarking is important. I agree completely with you with respect to copyright. Um, so, you know, th- these are things that, uh, I mean, obviously you've learned them the hard way, and that's how most of us in business learn. You know, there's no school that teaches this. No. You know, um, um, I think
2: what the school uh, teaches these days is plagiarism. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, it's, it's so easy to take online content and either to take an idea and just rewrite it or take an actual image or post and steal it. It's so easy to do it. And, uh, you know, I think that you have to be hyper-vigilant to make sure that you're not having your items stolen. And uh, I think that talking to people like yourself who have been in this situation i always encourage new business owners or small businesses talk to people that are in your field because the same idea that we talked about earlier where you know you're you're going to give away certain information most people i find that are successful are willing to teach younger business owners some you know basics here this is what i think you should do i would imagine you do that all the time
2: absolutely and it goes back to I'm not fostering competition. I'll, I mean, it goes both ways. For example, with the cigar site, I have probably, I don't know, 10 people a year that copy exactly what I do. I mean, they'll, they'll copy my format. They'll even copy the, the catchphrases that I made up for the industry, and they'll, they'll be doing the videos exactly the same way. And they'll put up a couple, and then they'll email me, "Hey bro, give me a shout out. I got a new review channel." And I politely <laughs> say no, because I mean that's my nice way of saying you're a beep. So yep. they get all mad and you know start giving me thumbs down and talking smack about me on the internet. Ooh, who cares? But if those people, no, I'm not going to help you out if you're a new photographer and you've got your own thing going and. You're just looking for advice. Uh, Yeah, I'm absolutely going to talk to you, and I'll tell you anything you want to know, what to do, what not to do. I have no problem with that. Now, I didn't have that experience when I started out. I started networking. I started going to local business groups, and there was no information. Nobody was sharing squat. So that's why I had to do everything myself. And that, unfortunately, at least in the photography business, is the norm. You'll have your clicks of the well-established photographers will exchange information to an extent, freely. But as far as newbies go, uh, too many of them these days just want the fast track. And it goes back to paying your dues. I mean, there is something to be said about that. Um, So it's a a fine line.
0: That's the bottom line.
1: Yeah, I I think that people like yourself... I mean, I I came from the same sort of background um, where, you know, you learn from being thrown into the frying pan and, and you just figure out what works and you move on from there. People like us, I think, are more willing to give information and help to young up-and-comers who aren't looking necessarily to, you know, mooch on all of your hard work and success, but they have general questions and they're looking for guidance. It always appears to me that the people who have had it easy, if you will, in developing their business, either they stepped into something that their parents already had established or whatnot. Those are the people that are tight-lipped and they don't want to give away any information. And I think that people would, that have worked up the rungs, like, like you and I, right, we're more willing to talk. I would absolutely agree with that. It, I have no problem helping anybody
2: out that is genuinely interested in wanting to work at it. I, I'm not interested in just giving somebody everything they need and you know not even getting
1: credit it. Right. Right. Now, that's... That, can lead us right into another topic, which is uh, helping people, and I think we believe, you know, at least in, in, in my firm, that you have a uh, a corporate social responsibility. If you can help people, you should, and you shouldn't do it for advertising benefits or, hey, I'm going to derive more clients because I'm going to help people. You know, we try to do coat drives and toy donations and things, because we can. And so I think it's it's our obligation to help people. And I know that you've been running a cigar drive for the troops. And I saw an update just the other night where you're, you're close to, what is it, 1,500 cigars now?
2: Yeah, we're uh, 1,420.
1: So what's your take on, on doing things like this? Because I, I know... Your work, I've seen it, I've, I've been a follower of your blogs, and I don't believe that this is something that you're doing to gain any sort of, of benefit. you know. So what's your take on this idea of of corporate social responsibility?
2: Oh, absolutely, I'm not getting any benefit from it. If anything, I'm getting some negative publicity from it. Um, I'll explain that in a second. But no, this is simply a way to leverage my following and I have uh, last time I looked it was over 21,000 YouTube subscribers and it's just an easy way to help out the troops. There's a local organization they happen to be local but they're the largest in the nation uh, cigarsforwarriors.org who organizes this and they ship out hundreds and hundreds of packages a month. They are an established charity organization so they get donations directly from manufacturers as well and they send out these packages, you know, profitless to the troops. So, uh, yeah, I, I had uh, I, I've done this once before, and I had horrible results with it as far as public backlash. So, you know, it's a polarizing subject, let's face it. But now I have a large enough audience where I don't really care about the negative. And most of the negative to this particular drive has been from people overseas. And, you know... They can say what they want. It doesn't really matter. I'm still going to be supporting our troops. So, yeah, it's just a, an easy way to leverage what I can to help them out. That's
1: it. I think that's really important. I think too many too many small businesses, and even larger businesses, make the mistake of, hey, we're going to get involved in charity work, and then they've got this secret scheme where they know that if they show people how caring they are, that they're going to derive some greater revenue. That's the absolute worst reason to do any sort of charity work. And I think that people see through that.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it goes goes right back to what I said about how you post and how you use social media. If you're not genuine, people see right through it. Well, the majority of people see right through it. Don't even try it unless you're really going to go through with it.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, You know, I I think that – People don't seem to understand that. I think it's just such a, a very – it really is a very difficult thing to wrap your head around, the idea of social media. I think because it, it started out, it originated as a means of communicating between friends and family, and I don't think that the original intent was, hey, we're going to be able to build big business out of this. But nowadays, like you said earlier in the show, I mean, this is all big business related. All these social media sites have now transitioned into, hey, what's Aunt Millie doing today, into how can we make money?
2: Absolutely. And and in the end, you have to realize that every single one of them has that as an end game. I mean, most of these sites were in the red for the first few years until they either, I I think half of them have the hopes of being purchased by someone else or, or taking over and frankly, The taking over stage is gone. I mean, if Google can't take over Facebook, nobody can, believe me. So, yeah, every single one of them has to be looking at the end game of how are we going to monetize and how are we going to be profitable? How soon can we go public? And you just have to realize that if you're using one of those sites, that's really what it's for. Just accept it
1: and use it to the best of your ability. And I think that you know, if if I could give some some pointers to people, I think I would say, you know, I agree with you 100%. Content's king, but really um, transparency and honesty in what you do, I think, is critical to developing a good following. Now, you did something on a show um, a few weeks ago that I, I mentioned to you when we spoke, and I really uh, think it's such a good lesson for businesses to to learn. So. You were reviewing a Cuban cigar, and after you did your review, which you were very honest about, after you did your review, you realized that you had been duped, and what you had been sent was a fake. And instead of doing nothing, tell everybody what you did, because I think what you did is, is really a perfect example of what businesses should be doing when something goes wrong. What did you do about this?
2: When I realized it was a fake, I put out an apology video simply to let people know that this was a fake, and while I did review it, honestly, what I got out of it was what I got out of it. Uh, It is not what to expect if you were actually smoking the real thing. And, I mean, frankly, there's really no reason not to do that. Uh, I mean, what happens if you don't? Well, uh, nothing could happen, and you'd be very lucky, Uh, but more than likely it's going to be found out sometime and then, you know, you either look like an idiot or you look like a liar. So what's the point in not just admitting it? Big deal. You make a mistake, you're human.
1: Right. And that's the idea of transparency. I mean, you want to engage people. Like, just like if you made a mistake with your friend down the block, I mean, wouldn't you apologize to that person face-to-face I think people get lost in this idea of I'm in the digital world where it's anonymous, but it's not. Not if you want to make it work for you. You have to to treat people the same way you would face-to-face. But people have lost the idea of that, I think.
2: Absolutely. And I think that is what really helped launch Cigar Obsession. And people trust me because I've been so consistent and they have over time realized that, whatever I'm saying is true. Uh, You know, usually it's from them smoking the same cigar that I've reviewed and wow. Yeah. They actually did get what I said it had. And, you know, that's just the way it is. And now I'm over a thousand video reviews and I just have the reputation of, yeah, I'm, I'm giving you a correct analysis of what I'm getting at least. That's just the way it is.
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, quite honestly of all the review sites that I've ever seen yours is the most professional the most honest um, you know I've seen the people that have stolen some of your your uh, your taglines as you're going through a review and I've seen it and it's laughable when you see these people you know if you know your videos you know that they're copying you and it looks ridiculous they can't produce the same quality they don't have the same ability to review a cigar so they're hurting themselves um, but your site really is the best that I've seen out there and and anybody who is at all interested in cigars and and learning about cigars I I would encourage you to go to Brian's site because it it is by far the number one review site that I've seen and I've seen a lot of them Um, you know and that leads me to what will probably be one of our last questions because we are running out of time your sites, your, your photo site, Cigar Obsession, if you're a new business, do you spend money in building your website through a website design firm? Do you use programs like, uh, like Wix.com, for example, and build your own? What have you done, and what would you recommend to other people? Because your sites are very professional.
2: Well, first of all, thank you very much for the previous comments. I do really appreciate that. Uh, second of all, that's a very good question, and I do build websites for local vendors and friends. I don't widely advertise it because it does take a lot of time. But what I can suggest is if you are absolutely brand new, you have virtually no budget, sites like Wix or any of the free website builders are actually okay when you're very very fresh and don't have a lot of content because they are very inexpensive to free, and they're easy to, add, to get a presence up very quickly. As far as paying for a large design firm these days, I really don't see the need for it. Uh, typically, your ballpark price for a professional design firm site is going to be from three dollars to $10,000. That's just for your basic small business site. I do the same thing using WordPress software and an inexpensive host. Uh, I've been through a lot. I know who to use, and I produce sites between... 800 and 2,000, depending on the complexity and if it's a store and all that kind of stuff. And there are people like me in every area that can do this. It's not rocket science. It just takes a lot of experience and a lot of time. And I guarantee everybody is going to know somebody that can produce a quality website without paying through the nose for it. But it is very important to have a professional site that functions well. And number one, uh, number one functions well. Number two, looks professional. You have to. Add a top-notch design photography artwork whatever your business is you don't want it to look like a homemade site so if you I I think that's good advice if you're starting out Wix is okay if not find somebody in your area or that you know that can do it at a reasonable cost
1: I'll tell you a quick story we're working with a company brand new company and they're developing their online presence they went to one of these major design firms in the city New York City And they wanted to charge them $500,000 for a website. And it was, (laughs) when you looked at the proposal, it was like, we're going to have a meeting about a meeting, and then we're going to have a meeting about that and produce some notes about that meeting. It was ridiculous. So I think your advice is spot on. I don't think you, you got to look at what you're doing and not get sucked into, hey, this is a huge media firm.
2: Exactly. I mean, you're paying employees salaries and insurance and rent when all you need is a website made.
1: Yep. All right, Brian, um, before we run out of time, can you give everybody your contact information, your site, so that people can come and check you out online and then call you if they need to hire a photographer down in the Tampa area?
2: Absolutely. My photography site is bgpictures.com. That's BG as in Brian Glenn. And cigarposition.com, if you happen to be a cigar lover, check those out. My contact information is the same on both sites. You can get me directly from any of them.
1: Brian, I'd like to thank you very much for being on the show today. We did have some callers that I was unable to take and some comments came in. So if you would be willing, uh, perhaps in the next few weeks, come back on the show and we can address those those calls and uh, some of the questions. Does that sound good? That sounds fun. All right, Brian, thank you very much. Uh, we, again, appreciate it. Next week we're going to have a special show on Monday uh, and we're going to be talking to... Um, some veterinarian groups about being a vet and the law related to that. So tune in to that on Monday at 10 a.m. Uh, again, Brian, thank you very much, and we look, forward to, uh, yeah, we look forward to talking to you again. And I'd like everyone to remember that there is power in understanding the law. On a morning, there was a freshly brewed McCafe coffee.
0: It was made with 100% Arabica beans, yet something was missing. Fear not, in the distance, a sausage McMuffin with egg rides toward the sunrise in quest for breakfast. The perfect pair met at McDonald's, and mornings were happy forever after. Right now, get a $1 small coffee and a $2 sausage McMuffin with egg from the 123 dollars menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.